All right, welcome back to, we are here to a new edition of Kids on the Pitch. This is John Krasinski, Pittsburgh Soccer Now. Uh, last year in the fall, we really, the late summer, we kicked off this podcast and we had a nice run uh, through mostly through the scholastic season, the high school soccer season. Uh, but we're glad to be back here uh, on with Kids on the Pitch, which which was a, I thought we did a really great job last year in terms of bringing a lot of guests on, talking about different topics that were relevant to uh, youth soccer, specifically in the scholastic level and the high school level. But, you know, we will continue to explore all topics in terms of youth soccer and, and, and that sort of thing in Western Pennsylvania and beyond uh, on this podcast. But uh, before we really get going this year with all of our podcasts and all of our guests and everything that we're going to be doing, um, I would like to bring on uh, Chris Shem. Chris is from Glory on the Grass 5v5 Soccer Tournaments. Um, Chris, it's great to have you on here. It's great to be here, John. And uh, we are, we're glad to have you on for a number of reasons. One, we appreciate your support of Pittsburgh Soccer Now and all you're doing um, to really help grow the game in, in our region and uh, give sometimes in the middle of the summer you know, kids and players or even adults we're all looking for more opportunities to get get our you know get out there and compete a little bit more and um, you and I had a nice conversation about this and uh, why don't you tell everybody in terms of what glory on the grass you know how it came to be and what it's all about okay uh, Glory on the Grass came to be about six, seven years ago when my son found 5v5 competitions out in eastern Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and New York. And they were always held during our travel and classic season, so we could never go to any. And after being frustrated for a couple of years, we decided to do our own here in Pittsburgh. So the, the first thing we did was rent out Turner Valley and put emails out and social media posts and ended up getting, I think, 25 or 30 teams for the first go-round, and it was positive. Uh, the people who attended enjoyed the format, uh, 5v5 works well in the summer because most coaches don't have their full roster available to them because of baseball, softball, other sports, vacation, what have you. So when you only need uh, six to ten players, it's, it's a lot easier to, to put that together. And we did a couple years of Turner Valley, and it, we grew from there and decided to turn it into a fundraiser for clubs. And clubs can contact us and partner with us. We bring the tournament to them, um, and it's a fundraiser for them. They get a portion of the registrations that come in and all the concession sales, whether they have a concession stand. Some clubs bring food trucks in. Others do 50-50 drawings, uh, raffles, and such. So uh, we're we're in our sixth year now, and this has grown pretty big. I was just say, grown pretty big. I'm looking at your website, and you've got Butler, Hollidaysburg, Altoona, Al- Uniontown, McGuffey, Deer Lakes, Culping SC, and Westminster. 
um, you're you're all around Western Pennsylvania. Yes, yes. Uh, we just did uh, the Holidays Bird Tournament last Saturday, well, the Saturday past, and he had almost forty teams, and uh, the, the place was humming. The competition was phenomenal. It's really neat seeing the kids putting it together on the field and, and kind of emulating what the, the pro game is. They're building from the back. It's not kick and chase. Right. It's, it's been a lot of fun. Well, and that's the other thing. Like the quality of play has just gotten better and better over the years that maybe you do something like this 25, 30 years ago and it's different level of play. And um, the, technically, kids today, even at the maybe kind of that borderline club wreck, you know, areas, they're just technically they're better, aren't they? They, they, they really are. Uh, we did McGuffey two weeks ago, and it was a smaller tournament. Uh, we had maybe 20, 22 teams, and that gave us time to walk around more and watch the games. And I was just amazed by the, the technical ability, the, the soccer smarts of these eight, nine, and ten-year-olds. Yeah, and this is, you know, this is, like I said, almost like at the grassroots, bare, you know, rec level where just where everyone gets a chance to play and, and play at a different, you know, level. So I, I've noticed that over the years, that there's been a significant change. I've coached, I spent a lot of years coaching, you know, uh, pretty much from you, whatever, you five up to, you know, you 12, you 13. Right. Um, and so I've seen the what it was like, uh, you know, 25, 30 years ago, I guess that's why I bring that up. But, um, yeah, I think it's really great. And I think it's great to have something like this an opportunity. Um, and honestly, if, even if somebody can't get to Gibsonia this weekend, there's still opportunities to sign up for other tournaments. It's fairly, fairly close. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Union town's coming up in two weeks. On the 22nd, I think that is, and uh, we've got uh, Saturday and Sunday back-to-back up in Butler and Westminster the first weekend in August. So there, there is still time to get out, uh, and we're not only 5v5 for the youth. We started an adult division this year, and we've added 3v3 for the younger kids. Because what we've started to see is you know the nine and ten year olds can play but what about your little brother little sister so instead of having them just sit there and not be happy (laughs) now they have an opportunity to get involved with a 3v3 team right well and and i think that's again 3v3 5v5 i think these are like you said it's easier to build teams that way too but also um when you compete, uh, even if you have a large group of kids from a club or a team or even from high schools or wherever they're drawing from, middle schools, um, everyone gets a chance. Like it, it's a little bit more, it's a little bit more competitive opportunities for, for more players, um, and I yeah. think that's that's really a, it's just something that benefits it. Getting ready for these scholastic seasons that are coming up, club and rec seasons that are coming up. Um, in the summertime, it's just good to have that extra competition. 
Definitely. Um, so what is the format? Like, to mostly is it, do they play, like, round-robin group play for a few games, and then they, they there's, like, a, tour, a knockout stage, or how does that work? It all depends on how many teams register in that age group and skill level. Mm-hmm. So we, we register by birth year. The oldest child on or player on the team, their birth year is where you're slotted. And then you tell us whether you're a gold team, which is upper-level classic, ODP players, things of that nature, or the silver team, which is mm-hmm. uh, you know your rec teams or lower-level travel teams. So we, we try to make these things competitive. And we, we want the the kids and the families to have the feel of being at something special even though it's a one-day tournament we a a lot of kids they don't have the opportunities to you know go to odp regionals or president's cup state cup so we want to bring a little bit of that here and give them a special day and and make it fun Right, and that's the other part, you know, making it fun. What are some of the things that you you do uh, in your in your tournament? Uh, you know, people that help you run it um, to do to make it more fun. What what are some of the things that that you guys do? Well, every coach gets a goodie bag for his team or his or her team when they when they check in, and in there can be anything for, depending on the sponsorships we're able to get for that area. There can be coupons for ice cream. Uh, we just finished uh, uh, securing a partnership of sorts with the Riverhounds. So there's going to be a Glory nice. in the Grass Riverhounds night coming up in September. Nice. Where you can get discounted tickets to come see our pro team. Um, and just trying to... to create the atmosphere of fun. We, yeah. we don't sell this as the World Cup. Right. It's not the Olympics. Come out, have a good time, be with your friends, mm-hmm. and just enjoy the game and the day and, and being around people. Well, and I think that's something that parents really just appreciate too, you know, a day out time. I think sometimes these are the type of tournaments that I always enjoyed and would would bond probably more with my kids um, just because it didn't feel as much pressure or whatever. Not that it should ever feel that way. And it should always be about, you know, the experience and the fun. And um, the competition is something a lot of kids enjoy um, and and not, you know, the fact that they're out there competing is, is just enjoyable enough. But. But of course, kids are going to right. be kids, and you know they're they're competitive by nature too. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. But that's fine. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I, this is. Uh, is there anything else that um, you would want people to know about the tournaments uh, uh, that might be signing up? Um, I don't know. What, what, are there any deadlines or things like that? Sure. The deadlines are usually midnight on the Saturday before the, the the next week. So if, for instance, if the tournament is on the 22nd of July, the deadline to sign up is going to be the 15th at midnight. Okay. That way we have a week to build schedules and you know communicate to people the where's, the when's, and how's, and such. 
Okay, that's very good to know. So uh, again, uh, and I'm just looking over your the schedules uh, that you have here. So of course, this week's too, probably too late for Gibsonia. That's this Saturday uh, in Gibsonia at Bearford Bearford Park, I believe it is. And then, yeah. but Uniontown, the 22nd of July, which is a Saturday, uh, will be uh, all day event, of course. Um, so there's time to register for that. And then, of course, Butler uh, up north uh, at the Butler Soccer Association uh, facility. Uh, yeah, facility there. And then Westminster, I guess the next day. Uh, and that would be yeah. at Westminster yeah, College. A, is it college or yeah, is it? Westminster Uni- College. Yes. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think it is college, but uh, they've got super facilities up there. It'll mm-hmm. be all on turf. Okay. Uh, but I will tell you that it, it'll be our second year at Uniontown, and last year they knocked it out of the park. Mm-hmm. Great bunch of people, great fields. And uh, Butler, I think this is our third or fourth year going up. It looks like Each third. Each year gets better yeah, and better, third yeah. year. Mm-hmm. And the facility they have up there blew me away. Mm-hmm. The size, how nice the grass is, and once again, the super gr- group of people to work with there's nothing like playing on nice grass you know when you're playing soccer because oh, uh it's, it's sometimes it's hard to find in this area it really is mm-hmm. you don't have the, the climate or the geography for much of it right unless it's really really nurtured so uh, well that's great that's a great opportunity for young players to get out there and play on grass which seems like so many are playing on field turf nowadays too which is fine but um right. yeah right well, it just sounds like a lot of uh, good opportunities for young players and, and adults to, to do the 5v5. I mean, just if we're talking about that, have we had cases where, like, the 5v5 becomes some of the parents and the coaches trying to work in some competitive time? Or I'm sure that's hard for the coaches to do, but um, or is it more right. just trying yeah, to get those, yeah. those, you know, those uh, those male, you know, the male and female um, adult teams that are out there? Um, to sure. compete, or is it co-ed? I don't know how that works. Uh, it, you put your team together, <laughs> and, and we'll find a spot for you. It can, it can be female versus female. Uh, co-ed teams will play in the male division if we don't have enough teams for a co-ed division. But uh, you know, all it takes is three teams to put a division in, and we're good to go. Wow. All right. Well, that sounds great. Uh, Chris, I'm looking forward to making it out to one of these uh, events. And uh, with Pittsburgh Soccer now being a partner, um, we certainly plan on that. So uh, more to come. I'll share more information with um, with our listeners out there uh, regarding that. But, uh, but good luck this weekend in uh, Gibsonia. And, of course, uh, again, we'll be on the lookout for some of these upcoming events uh, as well. Uh, but again, appreciate your what you're doing to help grow the game in the area and also um, supporting Pittsburgh Soccer Now. I, I appreciate it too, John. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Chris. And that was Chris Shem with Glory on the Grass. Uh, great opportunities for young players and for players of all ages to get out this summer and play uh, some five-on-five competition, even three-on-three competition. So that's that's really great stuff. Um, and just one final reminder, you can register uh, a team uh, on their site 
glorionthegrass.com um, or visit pittsburghsoccernow.com uh, and you can also, we have links uh, to all the registration information for Glory on the Grass. All right, so we're going to switch gears now, um, bringing on Ben Fiore. Ben, uh, last time we spoke, we were at Highmark Stadium. Uh, you had were walking off the field. It was a difficult loss, but at the same time, there was a lot to be proud of uh, as you did a wonderful job with the Ambridge Boys program. And now um, over the in the offseason, you have uh, taken another coaching position with Kiski area. Uh, it's your alma mater, so I'm sure you're you've had a lot of uh, mixed emotions in the off season. Um, but uh, but that's re- I wanted to talk to you about that. But but uh, but first of all, just welcome and welcome back to Kids on the Pitch. Thank you very much. I uh, I appreciate you having me. And um, yeah, it's uh, it was a a wild uh, twisting and turning off season this year. Um, but you know I. Uh, Looking ahead and, and looking very happy to getting back home um, with my alma mater, and obviously no love lost for Amber. Still very thankful for the time that I had there and the opportunities that they provided me. Um, but you know, I'm ready for the next chapter at Kiski now. Yeah, and you know, again, you stay in. I, and please correct me if I'm wrong, because sometimes I lose track with all the classifications and everything. But um, and obviously, no movement this year in terms of realignment. But you stay in three A, right? Correct. So, in a way, that's a really good thing. You you kind of stay in a in a, a classification you're pretty familiar with, um, and you probably know a lot of the top players and the top teams and and the, the sections and all that kind of stuff. Obviously, moving dif- different sections, but um, I'm sure there's. We just, I, I all of us from Pittsburgh soccer now, like we've just always look at the bigger picture and always say boys 3a is an absolute gauntlet and uh, it really is isn't it it is uh definitely because you know i mean there's obviously um bigger schools in 4a but with 4a there's only 16 teams now whereas you know in 3a um we've got uh, a full slate of teams and and they're just i mean so many teams are like continuously competitive uh you just you have juggernaut schools and enough where you have a, a lot of sections where obviously only the first four teams make it but each team probably has about six teams that could be playoff teams um they're just very talented from top to bottom there's there's not a weak section in uh in 3a so um but i, I mean i'm kind of thankful to be staying because like you said i do have the knowledge and the familiarity with a lot of the coaches and teams and players that are in this section, but definitely still, you know, uh, a challenge ahead and, and still a lot more to learn because I'm not going to be as familiar with section one as I was with section two. But uh, I'm looking forward to getting familiar there and hopefully keeping Kiski in, uh, in, in their playoffs hopes or in the consistency of their playoff hopes as they have been. Um, for so long. Sure. And maybe help me and maybe help uh, a lot of people understand um, what what is it like now as a, as a high school coach? You know, there's players or we, I was just talking in, even on the kids on the uh, to the glory on the grass conversation with Chris Shem about how players at younger ages are, are, are becoming more technically the technical ability of players at younger ages is getting better. So Yes, there's always time and need to work on those type of things. But um, but what is what, what's a, a typical high school coach doing, basically from 
January through July to prepare. So, I mean, every coach obviously has their own styles and practices, but uh, typically, I mean, what I like to do and what I've been doing with these guys here is in the winter, we usually get them on a, a lifting program, and that's for both the high school and middle school um, guys because, you know, I mean, once you're at the head of a high school program, you at most schools, you oversee everything from 7 to 12. You're not coaching the middle school, but still, we try and get them as involved as possible because, you know, those are going to be the next guys playing for me at, at the next level. So I, I like being able to have them at things, but typically we we include 7 through 12 at uh, lifting program in the winter. Then in the spring, we run through optional practices, and we also run a camp with him called Legends of Fitness um, this uh, in Perenum, um, and they run camp going on right now in the summer and then I'm holding optional practices uh, that we are essentially running like mandatory practices before mandatory start and just trying to get kids as much time on the ball uh, in the summer and the spring and then before that uh, a lot more conditioning and lifting and getting their bodies right to be able to endure what we're going to be doing in the summertime into the fall. Yeah and now like in terms of um, being I'm sure it was good for you in terms of being hired at the time you were you know I, I i know there's some schools that are still struggling to fill their positions into july um sometimes early august i mean i hopefully not too many in the early august but um you know there are those 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 exceptions and situations but um uh, but it, it must be nice to be able to make that transition pretty early um you know in in the process yeah i'm i'm very thankful uh with how um, you know, quickly and, and um, efficiently Kiski area moved with the whole hiring process because, I mean, when I got hired at Ambridge in 2021, I got hired in August. Yeah. So I had to, you know, <laughs> I just stepped to super fast, and now I'm getting to see the other side of things where I have a lot more time to, to get familiar with the, I mean, I'm familiar enough with the school district, but still, you know, a lot's changed and um, be able to get more familiar with the team and also just get more work in because it's like once mandatories hit in August two years ago, it was just I, I had to make quick decisions because, you know, eight days after I started, we had our first scrimmage and now I have a lot more time to be prepared and um, kind of see, uh, get, get a much better look as to what I'm going to be working with for the fall and get us even more prepared, get them more comfortable with me, me more comfortable with them, um, and, and hopefully give us as much time as possible to, to really be prepared for once the fall comes. And thankfully, I'd, I'd like to say that I've been able to have that this time around. So very, very thankful I'm seeing the other side of that this time. Yeah. And, you know, you, you inherit a program, too, which, you know, I thought was fascinating last year. Um, you, you, well, first of all, I, I have a history going back with back in the day when when it was just three three um classifications and we were i was coaching at shadyside academy and we had we were in um in 2a yeah we were in 2a sorry and we were in the same section with hampton and mars and it seems like hampton and mars will go wherever they go they go together wherever they are um now of course you know they've moved up to, to 3a and and that sort of thing uh because of the four classifications but I think that's kind of where it starts and ends in terms of the uh, the programs that have the most you know steady year in and year out success. Uh, but of course, Kiski area kind of broke through last year, last few years. But um, 
in, I, I'm sure in terms of personnel, you've got some adjusting to do as well because that team was, you know, that team had some, some seniors. The player that obviously we all know and stands out is Anders Bordoy, uh, who obviously had his, uh, ex- I mean, how many high school players get a chance to play for a professional team um, it's like Anders did with the Riverhounds? But um, so I'm sure this is going to be a year of transition, but, you know, you did a hell of a job with, Ambridge in terms of building that program up. So, I, what what's what are you looking at in terms of getting personnel that you have now to um, to kind of you know remain at that high standard, uh, finishing you know so high in the standings and everything last year. Yeah, I mean, I think just reminding them that uh, you know they played with those guys, they watched how they worked, and to to not lose that work ethic and not lose that focus that they had. Um, you know, with Anders obviously headlining that class, being the phenomenal player that he is, um, you know, being an all-Whippeal, all-state player, and as you said, going on to getting recruited to play Division One in Memphis and then going on and playing with the Riverhounds. I mean, that's that's a type of guy that I want my guys to, to mold their game after and, and mold that work ethic after um, and just knowing that the mission is still the same, you know, because good players graduate every year. They leave every year, but right. nothing changes. We're not hanging our heads. It's, it's a very next man up mentality. And, you know, uh, we're, we're not walking around camp saying, oh, no, what are we going to do to fill his spot? What are we going to do to fill goalkeeper Maddox Anderson's spot? What are we going to do to fill Ethan Beck's spot? It's, you know, we're not panicking. We're just like, okay, now you know that you were trying out for that spot. We are having to just keep the team identity the same and that work ethic the same, you know, because Kiski won their section last year. And right. I, I hope and plan to repeat that this year. And the only way that's going to happen is if guys have the right mentality and they're not afraid to fill those shoes, but they're excited too. And that seems to be um, the energy around the team right now. And I'm, I'm excited to see them, you know, put that to action. Well, and very interesting, your track record, your first, you know, at Ambridge, you were in a section with Division One players all over the place. Uh, you had your own, you know, high-level players. Um, you know, you go from one section of death to another section of death. I mean, obviously Moon and South Bayette and, you know, Montour, obviously in the past, West Allegheny, like that was a, a gauntlet in itself. So I'm sure that prepared you, prepared you too for any section. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that is uh, the most intense level of competition I've ever been a part of. Playing or coaching ever was being in Section 2 last year. So, um, you know, it has helped me know that, especially just being in 3A, because from the year prior we were in 2A, and right. it just was my big wake-up call into coaching in 3A that, I mean, every single team is it almost every single team is a threat so um you know and there's still a lot of good teams with mars hampton and north catholic in our section and you know there's scrappier teams also with like indiana being in there and we can't take anybody lightly in the section at all so um you know and last year definitely helped me learn and prepare moving forward for that um but you know every every challenge every year as much as you may know um teams or, or think that you know them super well, you know better than anybody that mm-hmm. the Whippeal changes every single year. There's new coaches, there's new players, there's new uh, schemes and play styles and, you know, and, and different players make different leaps in, in their talent and their ability and their roles that they're being called on to do. So uh, every year it's a new challenge, but 
I'm going to try and bring as much knowledge and preparation to the table as possible, and so are my guys. And um, already, I feel like we've been building a really good relationship, and they're able to connect with me. And I think because you know, I know the same teachers they had, the same coaches they had before me were my coaches. And, uh-huh. um, you know, that that connection has uh, has really helped. I think get us mentally and physically prepared um, moving into the fall here. Yeah, and I'm curious. You know, this is Kids on the Pitch podcast, so I I really like to ask questions kind of relating in terms of um, working with young people and helping in their development, not only as a, as a, in sport, but as a person. Um, what are some of the things that you have typically done? Uh, and I have, you know, talked to you before, so I've learned a few things, but I'd just love you to reiterate some of the things that you do in terms of helping young people develop pot, good habits and things that they can do to help better themselves, to obviously on the soccer field, as or as soccer players of being teammates, but also just in life in general. Well, you know, or I feel like I mean, it's a loaded if, question. So you can t- no, tell me no. I, if anything, I appreciate the question yeah. because I think you know, obviously, from your history being around the game and coaching, that um, good coaches are focused on the players as people first. You know, and that's what I aspire to be. I, I hope. I, I am a good coach, and, and I hope that more than anything, that despite all the wins and losses, that those kids just have a positive experience in their high school time um, being a part of a soccer team that I was leading. Because to me, the culture is a reflection of the coach, and I and that's why I, I work as hard as I can with whoever is assisting me each year to make sure that you know our culture is is the our number one priority and building that and making sure that every kid feels included that, you know, if, if players were to be scaled on talent from say there's 40 kids on the team, I want player one and player four to be treated exactly the same. And I want everybody to, to not just get, I, I don't let clicks happen on the team. If we go and we do uh, a team bonding event or we're in practice, like if there's certain things that I can segment it that way, I make sure that everybody's interacting with everybody. And every single day I go up and I, I shake the hand and, and talk to each player because I want them to feel important because, you know, you don't always know, and it's not even necessarily our business to know, but you never know what that kid's dealing with personally. And so if you are the one chance that he has to, to feel important with and, and you're the one person that, that he wants to impress and that he wants to work hard for, and those teammates are, are his friends or, you know, the only positive interactions he has with other people. I want to be able to, to have that remain at the school district. And I want that to be a reflection of the school. I want it to be a reflection of me and of the kids that play for me is that, you know, they're all good to each other and that we will take the time to work on every kid's attributes that they need fine-tuned the most, that, that we will take that time even away from doing team stuff to individually work on each player because to me, you know, I've, I've said it before and I'll say it a thousand times is the cliche of those kids don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. So to me, it's just, it's really being in, in keeping it in a professional way, obviously. But if you just are a real person with them and you don't try and act like you are the boss, but you are just a coach and they are a player playing for a coach, you keep a professional relationship, but show them that you want them to succeed just as much as they do. That goes further than people understand some people get caught up in the title of being a head coach but i just want to help the kids and i think that's what has turned success for me at ambridge and hopefully in the kiski is that 
I've just been able to make good connections with players, and, and I hope that that carries on and you see that on and off the field. So, Yeah, and that's that's a really great response, and I, I think that um, we're all thought out, and I think sometimes... Yeah, sorry, that, I know it's long. No, no, it was great. Well, winded, and I, uh, <laughs> I, but like you said, it is a loaded question. It, it was a little loaded, so I, 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 that's why I had to say something after I asked. Completed. I was like, you know what? It's a little loaded, but but no, I, I appreciate the the thoughtfulness and the consideration that goes into coaching and and um, and kids today. You know, I think they've been. We've talked a lot about this with diff, on different um, with different coaches and um, teachers and school administrators. You know, there's a lot of challenges today. Um, there have always been challenges in terms of education uh, and raising kids and things like that. But um, but there, in terms of the being uh, aware of socially, um, to the importance of making everyone feel important. To, to, like you said, from the first player number one to player number forty, I think that's uh, I think that's really uh, an important thing. Um, what do you do in terms of creating uh, fun and competitiveness in camps and trainings that? you know, maybe make your practice unique? Is there, is there a, a favorite thing maybe some of the players like to do? And also on the other side, what's the least most, you know, the, the thing that you got to do, but the least favorite uh, drill or training uh, exercise that you have to do? <laughs> right. So um, I guess I'll, I'll start with the fun stuff. Um, you know, obviously, especially in camp and once we're in mandatory practice before the fall season is is our most intense preparation period. So you don't want them to get so zoned in on all the things they're doing that are making them miserable. Um, <laughs> it is for the it is for the betterment of the team but they know it's just a necessary evil uh so you got to break that up every now and then and i like to do that with getting some things that are still super competitive for them and you're still getting to see um good soccer attributes be displayed but it's more fun for them we'll we'll play uh one-on-one war where i'll give the kids a number there's two lines and they each get a number but they don't know who has that same number on the other side when that number gets called we punt a ball up in the air and then it's one-on-one to the net with two nets about 20 yards apart and and the kids line the field and they play as bumpers and they love that and they get real competitive with each other or you know the, the old classic world cup where you got two players for each team to claim a country just just to break up the monotony of drill 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 condition yeah i love world cup over yeah. and over you know and just something that you know when we do uh, a shooting game and you know loser runs and they get just super competitive and love it because you know their friends they're going to make their friends run or they're going to beat their friend and have those bragging rights but i think that it also brings the best out of each other because they want to make each other better and they want to challenge each other so doing those things that are still soccer related things but they're having fun and, and they're they're having a good time and you know sometimes we'll just chop it up even with a light conversation or a debate in between drills just to keep them talking about something else and keep the atmosphere positive whereas you know the stuff that they hate i think that every coach has players that'll probably say the same as uh just conditioning nobody yeah. likes to continue to run and run and run but um you know we all know that that's unfortunately arguably the most important part of the game is being well conditioned because if you don't have a team that can go the full 80 minutes you're probably not going to do very well so uh the kids hate to run as much as they do but again they know it's a necessary evil so we we try and find that balance as much as we can 
Yeah, I think that's great. And I think those that's the thing that a lot of coaches have to think about, you know, as they head into camp and head into this is to, to, to kind of balance those things as much as possible. Um, sounds like you've got that. Um, you've got some ideas that, that work. And uh, I think uh, you're always trying new things, too, I'm sure, right? Oh, all the time. I mean, do you, you experiment with things where you don't want to take them, like, too far away uh, from – what the task is at hand but you also don't want it to be just work all the time um but you know there's times where i've i've taken guys and we'll go play basketball something that's still athletic but we're not even you know mm-hmm. we don't want it to be soccer 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 but then sometimes that can be a little counterintuitive because you could be getting more work in and you know the focus isn't always there but you know it's trial and error mm-hmm. you try things that did uh that you hope work and if not as long as it's not hurting the team dynamic then you know it's a lesson learned yeah. Uh, so as you head into camp, uh, I'm sure, you know, schedule wise, you, you're probably you're all locked into section schedules. But um, what do you have that may be intriguing heading into uh, the season in terms of non-conference or non-section uh, matches? Uh, I don't know if you're still working through those type of things or, or how's that looking? Uh, yeah, so our, our schedule is final, and uh, there's there's a couple of interesting games. Um, at the beginning of the year for a Labor Day tournament, we're playing in the Plum Tournament um, that I know is uh, us, West A, Plum, and I can't remember who the fourth team is. I think it might be Upper St. Clair. It's usually uh, Upper St. Clair, yeah. Yeah, so I, I think that's who the fourth team is. So we have that tournament uh, for our second and third games of the year right off the bat. Um, then September 30th, uh, I will be going back to Ambridge. Yeah, uh, nice. Is, is we play them in Ambridge, so you know that that'll be uh, bittersweet for me going back there. And then mm-hmm. um, on October 17th, our last regular season game of the year, um, we play GCC, who's two classifications lower than sure. us. But um, my assistant coach at Ambridge last year, Ryan Canner, just became the head coach right. at GCC this year. So I'll be facing off against him and the Ambridge this year. So uh, And then with the Plum Tournament to start off the year, we, we've definitely got some uh, some interesting non-conference games that, that uh, I'm looking forward to nonetheless. Well, those are ones that we'll definitely like to circle uh, on our calendars at Pittsburgh Soccer. Now, of course, we'll be, um, you know, during the regular season, we kind of pick our pick our spots where we go and try to check out games and things like that but um, we'll definitely be watching closely Um, so all right well you know we'll get to when we get closer to the season to be started the season Ben we'll definitely get you back uh, get back in touch with you and get some more insights in terms of as we preview and and get a little bit more into the sections and all that good stuff but uh, I I just really like to uh, pick your brain in terms of uh, I really enjoyed this uh, in terms of learning more about kind of what what you're doing now and how you're preparing Uh, I think it's 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 a really good thing to 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 hear um, each coach's different perspectives yeah absolutely and I I appreciate you taking the time I I love talking ball so (laughs) any uh any time and I love what you guys do genuinely like I'm a fan. Like, I read what you guys put out. I watch the videos that get put out. I listen to the podcasts that get put out. And I, I'm very thankful that, you know, you, you take the time to listen to me here and there. But uh, I'm, I'm just very happy that Pittsburgh has a news outlet like you guys to, to be able to focus on soccer. And I think it's great for the growth of the game. So um, I'm, I'm down to, to work with you guys whenever. 
All right. Well, sounds like a plan. So uh, just kind of, we'll be uh, we'll be talking. I'm sure down the road uh, a few more times. Sounds good. All right. Well, uh, Ben, again, thanks for joining me here on Kids on the uh, Pitch. A great way to start the uh, kind of the new year of podcasts on Kids on the Pitch. So uh, good luck uh, the rest of this off season and into the preseason in August. And uh, like I said, I'm sure we'll see you soon, sooner rather than later. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much, John. All right. Take care.